Up next is a conversation I had with poet and educator Chen Chen, who was visiting the city for the New Orleans Poetry Festival back in April. Chen is the author of When I Grow Up, I Want to Be a List of Further Possibilities, which won an A. Poulin Jr. Poetry Prize and was long listed for the National Book Award. He is a recipient of the 2010 Creative Writing Fellowship from the National Endowment for the Arts. He has a Ph.D. from Texas Tech University and is the Jacob Ziskin Visiting Poet in Residence at Brandeis University. Hey, Chen, how's it going today? It's going well. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I know you're here for the Poetry Festival. Yes. Is this your first time in New Orleans? It is my first time. Oh, lovely. What have you gotten to see so far? Not very much since I just got in last night. And then I was working on some writing, actually, this morning. But then uh, some friends and I got to go to Acme Oyster. Fortunately, we got there still kind of early on, so the line wasn't too bad. (laughs) Perfect. Because I was in um, an Uber not too long after, and we actually circled back around that block, (laughs) and the line had grown exponentially. So Yeah, it's a time for people to come visit. Yes. Well, it's great. I'm glad you could be down here. And uh, I actually got to see you read last night, which was fantastic. Yeah, thanks for coming. Of course. One of the things I really have loved in reading and both hearing your work now is the humor involved. And I I was wondering, you did a poem last night to kind of close it out, a poem about poop, which I can say on the radio, and it's (laughs) fine. Um, But I'm really interested with how you balance the humor with both the craft and the music in a poem and what that kind of takes in your revision process. It took me a long time to figure out how to do that and to do that well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, I mean, a lot of the poets that I'm most influenced by, that I love reading, are really nothing like me yeah. aesthetically. So, you know, a writer like Louise Glick or Lucille Clifton, who both have tended to write very short, uh, lyric kind of, uh, especially in Glick's case, high lyric poems. And so I was really into trying to be a serious, you know, capital P kind of poet for a long time. And it wasn't until later on in graduate school, I think after my first year of graduate school, going into my second, that I started to allow myself to experiment more. It was really just um, trying to write a bit more like how I actually talk and how I am in conversation with people that I'm close to. So the jokiness started to come through uh, with bringing more of that uh, tone and cadence into the writing. And it was a lot of trial and error. Um, And I went back and read... Allen Ginsberg, so Howell, went back and read Frank O'Hara, and then was reading some contemporary poets, you know, Wendy Zhu, Joseph Olagaspi, some other Asian American poets as well, who used some humor in their work and started to, yeah, just imitate a lot as yeah. well and try to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I think that that's cool because, you know, it's, it's interesting because... Joke format are, are the way that stand-up comics are presenting themselves on stage. They are uh, really deeply entrenched in a structure and trying to read people. Um, what do you want out of an audience or what do you want out of your readers when you're kind of writing in that vein? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess I don't tend to think in those terms yeah. until much later on in the process. 
And for me, I mean, what's different, I would say, one of the things that's different from being a stand-up comedian is I'm really not thinking about the structure of it being a joke. But I'm just thinking of funny language as a way into exploring something yeah. uh, more emotional in a piece. And so that's how that's how I approach it. And I hope uh, that when readers encounter it, the humor is a way for... I mean, it can be kind of disarming um, and unexpected, maybe, yeah. in a poem. Because uh, I think a lot of people are still used to poetry being of a certain loftier tone and diction. So to have a poem, say poop, <laughs> for <Yeah>. example, <laughs> um, yeah, can be surprising. And then I hope through that surprise, uh, there's another kind of emotional discovery. Yeah. That unfolds. I think that's so cool because it's like this this tool in your arsenal belt, right? That you can kind of deploy and it's got to feel freeing and really fun, actually. Is it fun to write um, with humor in your poetry? Yeah. yeah. And I think that was the thing that was missing <laughs> from my creative process previously. When I was trying to write these really serious poems, it wasn't an enjoyable process. But I kept thinking, oh, that's what it means to be <laughs> an artist. <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> yeah, you're just not supposed to enjoy things. Um, but what was missing was um, this reality and I think this texture as well. Um, the work before was very flat and kind of abstract. And once it came from that more sincere place and conversational place and funny place, ultimately, it was just so much more alive. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, that is only one aspect of your poetry. Um, another that I, I'm really interested in is the idea of, of building community in your work. You know, you're working at the intersection of a lot of things, whether it be uh, identity, queerness, mm -hmm. race, uh, what it means to be an American, what it means to belong. And I know that people react to that and that you're able to kind of foster a community with these writings. Um, what does that feel like for you to know that people are going to engage with this in a way and that you're able to build a community out mm -hmm. of this? Yeah, I've been really moved to see the response to my work because growing up as someone who was struggling with his sexuality and coming out and what it means to be Asian American as well and the child of immigrants, there was so much of myself that I didn't see represented really in books or any form of media. <laughs> but I think sadly that is still true for many people. So it just makes me really honored that I can contribute in my own way to expanding representations and getting more nuanced stories out there and these experiences, because I think there's still kind of this uh, assumption that, you know, I was just thinking about Crazy Rich Asians yeah. <laughs> and that movie, and just that it took so long for a movie like that to be made. And I think it's starting to chip away at 
you know, these exclusions that particular, yeah, Asian Americans have faced. Um, and I'm seeing that with movies that uh, center uh, queer characters as well. So it's great to see, but I think there needs to be so much more. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that's something that I can encourage through my writing uh, for other writers, artists, you know, people who are making, you know, media of some kind, cultural production to keep pushing and making sure that their versions of these stories are getting out there. Yeah, I think that that's fantastic because there's so much, so much of people's perceptions come from these caricatures that have been brought up time and time again, right? And it's really cool to see that actual humans are being portrayed in a way that's significant and like based mm-hmm. in like an actual identity, not something that people perceive. Yeah, and it's such a relief, really, to not be the only one. Yeah, <laughs> in just in terms of the poetry landscape now. Uh, you know, there are other queer Asian American, queer Chinese Americans, specifically poets and writers um, working today, publishing today. And yeah, I just I'm so grateful to be a part of that. Yeah. How do you think that aspect of the community and finding other people that you can really talk about things with and to kind of bond over, how do you think that's going to affect kind of the trajectory of your writing in the future? Do you see any any effects thus far in your writing? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's been crucial, I would say. Uh, in fact, the poem that I was just working on this morning, I'm revising this piece. And again, it has to do with um, family, as a lot of my work does, um, and coming out in different ways and thinking about coming out as really this ongoing process because one of the things that I notice in a lot of TV shows and movies featuring queer characters is that they'll come out once and that's it (laughs) and it just all sort of happens and then things fall in place and it's either you know all terrible or all triumphant which just seems like such a reductive oversimplified narrative Yeah, and a lot of the poems I've been working on uh, moving forward, yeah, just looking at all these different ways that I've uh, had to come out um, and how it's been a recursive process. Because in the case of, say, my parents, it was something that they didn't believe initially and they were in denial about uh, for a while. So it was like I had to keep coming out in different ways. And so that's why I'm exploring now and being able to turn to other writers, other queer writers, queer Asian American writers, some of whom aren't, you know, writing about the same subjects, you know, at all, but may have some similar experiences, being able to show this work to them and get their thoughts on it has been so valuable. And those conversations then inform um, how I revise a particular piece or the next piece that I end up writing, because then I realize, oh, there's a whole set of questions that I haven't asked yet, but it's come up in this conversation. To kind of pivot a little bit, what is your favorite line that you have ever written, if you can recall one? And uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite line of somebody else that you keep coming back to? Oh, my God. That's a beautiful question. I guess the the line that 
is coming to mind that I've written, uh, maybe because we just <laughs> were mentioning this poem that I read last night, um, the poop poem. Yeah. Uh, it's called Winter. And there's a line in it that is, um, I'm trying to be marvelous. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you can find it online, but I mean, the full context of it, yeah. <laughs> I think, makes that line land in a certain way. But yeah, it's one that I've thought about or, or gone back to because it, yeah, it's kind of this statement in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, what about uh, from somebody else? From somebody else. I think it's two lines. It's from this poem called Jacaranda by Arcelis Germay. And it goes, I do not know how a heart stops, but tell me a story that did not begin with love. Something like that. Yeah. I think I got the second part right. But <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what keeps you kind of coming back to that? Yeah. Just that to tell a story, to really tell a story in any form whether it's in a poem or in a work of fiction or an essay or, you know, anything, there has to be a, a real kind of care that's put into it, I think. So there's love, I think, in that sense, um, the love of the person telling the story um, or sharing it. But then I think also about... Yeah, what are stories <laughs> yeah. at their core? And I think there has to be some element of of love as well um, for there to be, for a story to to exist, for it to, to be a story. Yeah. yeah. So I think about that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, in a number of ways. I mean, I just think of... My parents' story as well, um, and you know why they came to the United States uh, from China, and that that is a story of love too. I mean, it's a story of survival. It's a story of kind of reinventing themselves. It's a story about you know what is America, but at the core of it, it's also the story of love. Yeah, I think that's really wonderful, actually. I know recently, or currently, you are the Jacob Ziskin Poet in Residence at Brandeis University. Is yes. that still true? Yes. Um, is that a teaching element to that? Yes. So I teach uh, creative writing. Um, in the fall, I taught an introduction to creative writing class. And this spring, I've been teaching a poetry workshop as well as a nonfiction workshop. Yeah, and I know it, it's interesting, like, obviously, I'm sure grads at school in your, your PhD program, you're teaching as well. Um, I know that can affect your writing, and I know that it gives you a chance to really explore um, issues and, and see them kind of afresh from, from new eyes. Um, is there a certain topic or, or subject that you've gotten to teach that is kind of your favorite or that you really love to present to the students? And, and what do you get out of that? Hmm. Yeah, I love teaching because there's so much that's out of your control. Yeah. And I say that as someone who very much 
likes to be in control. Uh, and I think, yeah, the obsessiveness that it takes to be a writer, that often coincides with a need to control. And so teaching, for me, it's just such a great way to get outside of my head um, and have to be more spontaneous because no matter how much you plan and, you know, structure the class, um, I think, especially for a creative writing class, for it to be a real space for creativity to happen, you have to allow for digressions and surprising comments and thoughts from the students that you just cannot anticipate. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that happens uh, with every book, but I was really glad to be able to teach uh, Victoria Chang's most recent book, uh, Barbie Chang. Okay. And the students responded to it so well, but what I loved about teaching it was how we could talk about persona mm. in poems. And so even when you're writing about something very personal, there can be this transformation through the writing, through, you know, putting your speaker into this persona. So in this book, uh, Victoria Chang, she's talked about this in interviews, uh, she started out writing many of the poems in the first person and then came up with this uh, persona, this character of Barbie Chang yeah. and just started thinking about, oh, how intriguing and the potential of having Barbie, right, which is a more kind of Western-associated name right next to Chang and what that would mean for, you know, exploring hybridity and identity, also thinking about femininity a lot in this book. And so it just, yeah, it led to really rich discussions um, with the students. And then one of their first assignments was to write about themselves in the third person using some kind of alter ego name um, as well. And so seeing the results of that was really great. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's exciting. And I guess, you know, you have the possibility of being able to um, remove yourself from it a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. You're creating that persona, even if it has aspects of yourself mm -hmm. within it. And that, that's a really useful tool. Um, well, to kind of wrap us up, I know our time is, is pretty much done. But um, one question I usually ask people at the end of interviews is, um, what are you reading right now? And also, what's on the horizon for you? Yeah. So I mentioned this book at the reading last night as well. Um, Sarah Gambito's newest poetry collection, which is called Loves You. Hmm. And <laughs> it's a book of, uh, it features all of these uh, Filipino recipes. Um, and, you know, some of the recipes end up going in this very poetic direction um, with the poems uh, start to read like recipes themselves. Um, and so I was just doing some amazing things with the form and uh, also really delicious yeah. <laughs> recipes too. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend um, that book. What was your other question? What, what, what's coming up for you? I know mm -hmm. uh, the book's been out for about a year? Two years. Two years yeah. now. Um, are you working on another manuscript? Or are you just kind of writing and seeing what's happening? Yeah, I'm working on another manuscript. <laughs> um, 
very slowly yeah. at the moment. Uh, so just, yeah, kind of seeing um, where it's going to go. Um, but I have this uh, chapbook um, that I wrote in collaboration with my friend Sam Herschel Wine. And uh, yeah, that's been a really great project, really fun. Um, and that's coming out in the fall cool. from um, Glass Poetry Press. Nice. Well, Chen, thank you so much for visiting today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in New Orleans. Yeah, thanks for all your questions.